We open our Bibles together to Exodus chapter 15, and verse 2 is our theme verse for this evening. Uh, We will look at some other verses in Exodus. We'll actually go back to Genesis as well, so please keep it marked. But we're we're honing in on verse 2 of Exodus 15, and in particular, something towards the end of the verse this evening. Hear now the word of your Lord. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. He is my, my God. And I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God. And I will exalt him. Let me read that once more. The Lord is my strength and song. And he is become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God. And I will exalt him. And we focus this evening on this phrase, my father's God. We will think about it in its context, but we're going to hone in on this idea of my father's God. For tonight's sermon reflects on Abraham's communicant membership vows this morning. That is Abraham Van Leuven, not uh, Father Abraham, though we'll be thinking of him in context a little bit. But uh, I'm looking at it more, if you'll uh, allow me, Uh, from a a more personal perspective that is not as much his pastor uh, but his father as he took his vows this morning and the delight of hearing my son declare my God to be his God in formal covenant vows which he will renew every Lord's Day supper alongside his father and his spiritual fathers what a blessing And something I've been thinking about is that phrase, my father's God, it's through the scriptures. And it's what we should be thinking and expecting of our children. It's what we should be putting into our children and preparing them for. We should sing of God's delivering us in the covenanted context of the faith of our fathers before and beside us. I give that to you as the idea of what we're focusing on in the verse, in its context, we should sing of God delivering us in the covenanted context of the faith of our fathers before and beside us. Now, not all of us are necessarily raised in the church, nor do our fathers all uh, bring us to the Lord in, in the context of church and covenant. But Abraham has that, uh, that uh, blessing And uh, this is what we should be hoping for our covenant children in the church and what we should be training for future covenant of the church and how they would raise them. Because there is no greater legacy we can leave our children than God himself. Let me repeat that because I don't believe a lot of Christians and a lot of Reformed Christians actually believe it based on what you observe. But the truth is, There is no greater legacy we can leave our children than God himself. And sometimes that means not leaving other things to get them to that place. There's no greater legacy we can leave our children than God himself. And they, by our covenantal guidance and God's grace, declaring our God for themselves. Dear, beloved covenant children. Proclaim the God of your father as your covenant God. 
We'll have an aspect of this for everyone, but I am addressing especially Abraham and our covenant children. This message is especially for you. Proclaim the God of your father as your covenant God. God is the covenant God of all his church, including you, his and our children. That's the first thing we look at. God is the covenant God of all his church, including you and his children. What does Paul teach us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2? He speaks of our fathers, Christians, to all Christians, he's speaking about our fathers in the New Testament, but he's referring to the Old Testament. And specifically, he says, when our fathers were baptized in the cloud and through the Red Sea. Now think about it. Who was going with the cloud and through the Red Sea? Not just the fathers, not just the mothers, the children. The children were part of this group, our fathers, from a long-term perspective in the future. But the children were there. They were baptized also by the mist of the Red Sea and the cloud. And mind you, they were not immersed like the Egyptians who were drowned. They all experienced God's deliverance. They all experienced God's deliverance with their fathers. And that is the context of this song. Verse 2 is the second verse of the song of Moses. They've gotten through the Red Sea and he's celebrating. And he sings this song. And they sing it with him. It's the song of Moses. It's a song of salvation. It's emphasizing God has delivered us from Egypt. And he's delivered us through the Red Sea. And he's even drowned the Egyptians. And destroyed their horses and their chariots. It's a song about deliverance. But don't miss this. The children are with them celebrating. Singing. And don't miss this. What came before the Red Sea deliverance? Deliverance out of Egypt. How? By ten plagues. And what was God primarily teaching Egypt and the world, but especially his people? He is the only true God. There is no other God. Any other God, little g, is false. It isn't real. That's pretty important when we think about, he says, my father's God. So Moses' father's God, he would have in mind. He's out of the line of Aaron. That's why he's part of this priesthood that's developing. And it is his father's God. When Moses is delivering the Israelites, they have developed into a big nation. Over hundreds of years. Many generations So there's much to be involved in the idea of saying, my father's God as an Israelite, and including for Moses. But I want to go back with you to chapter 3 to see how this is really informing us tonight. Chapter 3, verse 15. When God is talking to Moses at the burning bush and calling him into the ministry to deliver his people, it's an important verse in Exodus 3, 15. Moses asked God, well, who should I tell them you are that sent me? 
Of course, verse 14 says, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. That's Yahweh. The covenant name for God. The name that shows that he is self-existing, the aseity of God. He needs no other. He's completely independent, therefore he's completely dependable. But verse 15, it goes on to say, God goes on to say, Moreover unto Moses, thou shalt, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Well, he's talking to Moses in this generation of the church. He's going to send them out to take over the promised land and start new generations of God's people. But notice what he says. Who do you tell them that I am? I am the God of your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, of course, not directly Moses' father, but there's, there's this sense of continuity of the lineage of fatherhood and passing on the faith to the next generation and God's faithfulness to work within the covenant. But it goes back also to verse 6. Look with me at verse 6, Exodus 3, verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. But look how God is identifying himself, and identifying himself with Moses as he's going to bring God to the people, deliver the people with God to God, and their identity is with this God, Yahweh, who also says he is the God of their fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now look ahead to verse 16 of chapter 3. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers... The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Why? Not out of the blue, because they're his people. And their fathers and their father's father are his people, his covenant people. And this is the context of Moses singing in Exodus 15. God has delivered his people, the God of, the, of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is our God yet still? He hasn't forgotten. Because the promise to Abraham was that he would have seed like the stars in heaven and the sand by the sea. And it's going to be through faith to the passing on of many because he only had one uh, son of the covenant. Look with me to chapter 18, verse 4. Exodus chapter 18, verse 4. Eighteen verse four, and the name of the other was Eleazar, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Moses names one of his sons Eleazar. Why? Because its meaning relates to the fact that the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He's putting that meaning into a name of one of his sons related to the God of my father delivered me. The children of God's covenant people were included. 
Children, you should see yourselves as included. Parents, church, you should see the children as included. It should be a natural thing that they would say something like, the God of my fathers, the God of my father. And it should be natural that we be training them to think and speak that way about themselves. More importantly, about God. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, of course, quoting a prophet, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters. I believe that's Joel chapter 2. This is in Peter's Pentecost sermon. And he goes on preaching. And uh, he's preaching to the God-fearing Jews in Jerusalem. And what he says to them is the same for you. It's always been this way. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If God delivers the covenant children with their fathers through the Red Sea, out of Egypt, in through the desert, and into the promised land, and sadly, many of their fathers had to die in the desert while they went ahead. As Deuteronomy 5 says, I was preaching more to you than to your fathers. And I repeat now the Ten Commandments as you go into the promised land with your covenant children. But he's faithful to those covenant children. Acts chapter 2, 38 to 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. The promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are far off, even as many the Lord our God shall call. And to your children. Too much of the evangelical church and too many of the Reformed and Presbyterian churches that have been influenced by them don't really believe that or act like it. And we wonder why a lot of them deny the faith as they approach adulthood. Because we've not trained them to think like this. We've not taught them to believe like this. We have abandoned the idea of covenant theology, which is the way you understand the Bible and live the Christian life. And so our children and our children's children. Beloved, you are right to teach your children to be covenant keepers and to warn them not to be covenant breakers because that's their only option born in the church. And more importantly, there is no other God but Yahweh. Where do we get off letting our children think they have an option? As if they may be God and they'll figure out what they think for themselves later. Yes, it needs to be their own faith. Not forced upon them, but certainly led by the hand by their fathers. They shouldn't be left off to themselves to go wander in the wilderness. They're going to die there. They shouldn't be caused to think that there's any other possibility in the world but the God of their fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember the children coming out of the wilderness. Excuse me, coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea to the wilderness had seen the whole point of this. God is teaching them and teaching their children to remember He's the only God. There isn't any other. Take your father's God. 
He's the God of your fathers. You are right to teach your children there's no other religion but Christianity. You are right to teach them to believe in Jesus alone. For there is no other name under heaven by which they can be saved. Christians still sing the song of Moses and we should be still singing it with our children today. Of all those who overcome the beast and are led to overcome the beast by their fathers. Revelation 15 verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Those are the words we need to be giving to our children. To teach them to sing the song of Moses. In Exodus 15 and Revelation 15. Because they're the only ones that are going to be singing in the end. Baptize your children. Raise them as Christians. That they should improve their baptism. Westminster Larger Catechism 167. And parents, just like David said to Solomon when he was nearly dead, in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, may you be saying to your children, And thou, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. There's that warning. Obey God, the God of your father. Don't risk offending him. Just as you sang in Psalm uh, 89 tonight. There's all this promise that God is faithful. He won't forsake us. But he does say, if you don't obey me and live for me, you're going to get a beating for it, for your sins. He's a faithful father. But know the God of thy father, David says to Solomon. If you're going to have children, if you have children, this is what you're supposed to be prepared to do. Raise them to love your God. And if you're not thinking of that and willing to do that, it should be questioned whether he is your God. What other God would you talk about with your children? What other God would you allow them to consider? The fact that he is our God is not a detriment, but an encouragement to them, or it should be. But if they're hearing from the world, oh, you only love that God, you only think of Christ because your parents told you to, And you haven't prepared them to say, you know what the Bible says? The God of my father has delivered me and he's my God. We need to equip them. We need to put those words in their mouths. Those thoughts in their hearts. David was ultimately speaking about the coming of Jesus Promised to David and Jesus promising himself to his covenant children. As a child of the covenant, you are right to claim the true God for yourself. And again, I'm particularly preaching to the covenant children. God is the covenant God of all of his church, including you, 
his and our children. Therefore, as a child of the covenant, you are right to claim the true God for yourself. Don't let anything in the world, don't let the entertainment of the world, don't let a lot of Christian raise in a different kind of idea in the world keep you children from the God of your fathers right now. The example to follow is Jacob, although in many ways he's not an example to follow. But as he's coming back to his homeland, the land of Abraham, the father of many nations, as he's coming back after many years of the Lord having disciplined him, we see him understanding. Turn with me to Genesis 31, verse 5. Genesis chapter 31. And we're going to follow Jacob along here just to see the kind of language. And beloved, I want to remind you, he ran away because he really needed God to change him more into Israel. He also needed Rachel. But he had to go there and he had to stay a much longer time than others. Why? Because he needed to be disciplined. But it was always in the context of the covenant of his God, of his fathers. And so I want you to see this language, this understanding of his identity in himself that brings him back. Exodus 31 verse 5. Excuse me. Genesis 31 verse 5. And said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. He's getting ready to leave, take his wives and children and all the riches he's built up after many years of being taken advantage by Laban. He's saying, your father's not been good to me, but I am prospering. Why? Because the God of my father has been with me. He's establishing, I mean, if we want our, pe- our children to do well in the world, it's going to be by the God of their father. If it's going to be anything that's meaningful and lasts. He credits the God of my father for why he's prospering. Look ahead to verse 29. Genesis 31, verse 29. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. So Laban pursues Jacob, and he might hurt him. But God spoke to him in a dream and said, Don't touch him. And Laban even recognizes and acknowledges. Remember, there's some... Distant family relations. That's why they're there getting wives, as before with Rebecca. But notice, Laban's acknowledging the God of your father. The God of your father. This is such a concept in the scriptures. And I think it's a concept that's wholly lost on us today. Look with me to verse 42. Genesis 31, 42. Except, this is still Jacob. Except the God of my father... The God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. He's crediting God again for surviving. He says, if it wasn't for the God of my father, I wouldn't have made it. The God of my father. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then my father... And now me. Look at verse 53. Of course, Isaac is Jacob's father. Verse 53. 
this heap be witness and this pillar be witness that I will not pass over this heap to thee and that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. Verse 53, the God of Abraham and the God of Norhar, the God of their father, just betwixt us, the Jacob swear by the fear of his father uh, and, and Jacob swear by the fear of his father. Isaac, the God of Abraham, and then Jacob swear by the fear of his father, Isaac. There's this constant connection. Now, look ahead with me to chapter 32, verse 9. And this will be the, the last thing we follow by Jacob's example. Just noticing this. This is a pretty regular phrase for Jacob as he's being restored to God and walking through a lot of difficulties in being restored to God and God's land. Genesis 32, verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. He's so thankful to God for letting him come back in mercy, for calling him and telling him to go back. Why? Because he's a covenant God. He's faithful to his covenant. He's faithful to the seed of Abraham. Because his fathers have him as their God. You see, he doesn't pray independently. It's not that we don't pray for ourselves, but he doesn't pray thinking independently. He's always thinking himself in the bond of the covenant with his fathers. In the bond of God's covenant with his church. And our children should be thinking the same way. Their identity should be Christians. Their identity, their self-understanding. And let me tell you, that's a huge problem in our nation right now. A lack of an understanding of who I am. A lot of times just whether I'm a guy or a girl. And I've had testimony from a local pastor recently that that's a problem with a lot of children in homeschooled groups. By testimony of his daughter ministering to them. Our children need to know they are the sons and daughters of the God of their fathers. Of the God of the Christian church. They need to start with that. They need the trajectory of understanding I am Christ's. I am God's. I am not the world's. I am not a Philistine. I have a history. I have a family. I have a heritage. And ultimately it is God. The God of my fathers. And so the response of Moses. Back in Exodus 15. Verse 2. Personal profession. Thinking back to his father. Who would have had him circumcised. To be marked as an Israelite, not a Philistine. It's what we do now with baptism, including our daughters now. We acknowledge and recognize formally, publicly, covenantally, our children are gods. And we are responsible to raise them understanding that. To be claimed as God's child and not left to the world. And he was sent away to take God's people away from the Egyptians because he and they were Israelites. 
Notice the personal ownership in Exodus 15, verse 2. Moses is seeing this, and he already knows God is his God. He already knows the God of his fathers is his God. That's been made abundantly clear at the burning bush. That was made abundantly clear when he chose to be with Israel and not Egypt, though he was raised to be their prince. Remember, Hebrews says he did that by faith. Shunning the riches of the world for a while to be with God's people and in God's kingdom. But as he's going through this, can you imagine all the difficulty? He's just rejoicing. He's exalting. The God of my fathers. There's a context there you see now. There's a meaning to that. And then the God of my father. And then, and my God. But he's seeing this, looking around at the millions of God's people. The fathers, the mothers, the children, the grandfathers. And all the context of hundreds of years before, starting with Abraham more formally. Now, looking at each other, rejoicing. God driving them through something like San Diego Bay overnight. And they're on the other side, watching the enemies destroyed that enslaved them for hundreds of years. And why is this happening to us? Because our God is our Father's God. And our Father's God never forgets our Father's children. Praise the Lord. The safety, the deliverance for our children in the God of the covenant, in the God of the father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses. Notice the personal ownership. He's just, he's just claiming it in a new way, just rejoicing in it. He says, the Lord is my strength and song. And Abraham, this is what you said in your covenant vows today for communicant membership in taking the Lord's Supper. And this is what you say with us when we take the Lord's Supper. But this is what all you children should be saying, looking back on your baptism, as we all do. The Lord is my strength and song. The Lord is my salvation. And that word salvation in the Hebrew is based on the word Yeshua, which is Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord and King. Back to Moses, he says, He is my God. And by the word, the, the word in the by the way, the word in Hebrew there for God is El. Do you remember my youngest who were with me when we did a radio program recently on the names of God? You all have El in your middle name, and it means strength. I will prepare him in habitation. I will exalt him. And God of my father, or my father's God, which we focus on tonight. But all those things he's claiming of his personal having a relationship with God is based on the fact that his father has passed it on to him. He's not saying something new so much as he's remembering what he knows. Because it's been built into him. As it is for every covenant child of God, or so should it be. It's because he is my father's God that I was taught to know him as my God in family worship. And being taken every Lord's day to public worship in the temple, in the church. Look with me at verse 1. Exodus 15, verse 1. 
Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Moses is leading the singing of the song, but he's not singing alone. Now try to imagine all the Israelites singing. must have been tremendous to be, if you happen to be not so far away and hearing it in the distance. And notice it's a lot about God being a God of war. It's about a church militant having some victory here. But everybody's singing. That's the point. Everybody's singing. It says the children of Israel. Now in the Hebrew, when you see children of Israel, it's always literally the sons of Israel. The sons of God. But it's translated children. Usually in our our version. But the idea is it's all of God's people. And of course, therefore, that would have to include, literally, their children. The same children that were with them through the Passover. At night, coming to the Red Sea. Walking through the parted sea as the Israelites were on their backs. Looking back now and see them. Do you think the children are like, well, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what I think about God yet. Are you kidding me? Those children were there with their fathers. Yeah, Dad! Yeah, Dad! God saved us, Dad! Our Father's God is our God. He saved us. Our Father's God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes! They're all singing. The children are singing. And then in the verse 2, He's my God because He's my Father's God. This is what should be the normal understanding and sentiment of our covenant children. May it be, children. They were singing surely while they were holding their father's hands. Lifting up with their father's hands in victory. Or perhaps still having been on their father's shoulders. Carried along through the mist. Just as they stood with their mothers and fathers later to hear the reading of the law during King Hezekiah's Reformation. Children are always there. God is always their God. Children, you need to hear that. You're not here waiting someday to figure it out. Figure it out now. God is God and there is none other. And he needs to be your God, the same God as your father, because there isn't another one. He is the creator of heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. He is the only redeemer. And he sent his son, his only begotten son, as the only mediator between God and men. And he is here to be your God when you take him for yourself as your father's God. To have the God of the fathers of the faith is to have, by faith, God as your Father. As you sang in Psalm 89, verse 26, He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Let me pause for a moment and say, any of you who did not grow up with a father teaching you about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You did not grow up in church and know Christ as your Savior. There is a psalm that says he is a a father to the fatherless. And God adopts us all into being his children in Christ. 
And you move forward, as many of us might have had to do, and say, I'm not taking that baton of the past with me. I'm starting a new race with my eyes on Jesus, and that's what I'm passing on to my children. My children will have the blessing of knowing God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the God of their fathers. Psalm 89, 26 was a prophecy of Jesus, whose father was the God of the Jews and who taught you to open your prayers with our father. When we pray with our children, are we not to have them say with us, our father? Children of the church, you must know to sing for yourself and to sing now. I am my beloved. And he is mine. His banner over me is love. And you must be able to sing for yourself now. Psalm 118 verses 14 and 28. The Lord is my strength and song. And is become my salvation. Thou art my God and I will praise thee. Thou art my God and I will exalt thee. And children... Like Solomon, thinking about what his father David had said to him at his deathbed. May you respond to your fathers, leading you to Christ all your life with that of Solomon, mindful of David's deathbed call upon his life, and what he said in Second Chronicles 1 verse 9. Now, and by the way, this is when he's getting ready, he wants to dedicate, right? Now, O Lord God, let... Thy promise unto David, my father, be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Let the promise unto David, my father, be fulfilled. And children of the church, let Daniel 2, verse 23, be your own prayer. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers which would be pretty important to him because they had been exiled. He's praying in exile. He's not in his father's land. Much later on. I thank thee and praise thee, O God, thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. And children of the church, may your testimony be that of the apostle Paul's to the governor In Acts chapter 24, verses 14 to 15. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of of the just and of the unjust. Now, at this point, he's a Christian. He was persecuting Christians. Christ came to him in Acts chapter 9, and uh, he's changed. Or is it Acts chapter 8? He testifies in Acts 9. Forgive me. But Christ has changed him, and now he's witnessing primarily to the Gentiles. But the unbelieving Jews, the ones not truly trusting in Jesus, the king of the Jews, they're trying to hurt him. They're trying to say he's teaching some false witness. He says, no, I don't. I confess before you, I worship the God of my fathers. He's... Bringing the gospel of Christ to everyone. 
who is the Son of God. Nothing has changed. It's the faith of our fathers. Remember, Jesus appealed to the fact that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living, and so there is a resurrection. And he makes his Father our Father through himself. There is a covenant connectedness through the church's generations. And Abraham, you were named after two Abrahams, as you know. One of them, his picture is hanging on the bedroom wall. The father of this nation, birthing its moral compass for all the people of Adam's one blood. You are also named after the Abraham of the Bible. And God gave him his name. It was Abraham. He says, your name is now Avraham. Meaning what? Father of many nations. All who know God through Jesus have Abraham as their father. Romans 4 verse 16. Those who have the faith of Abraham have him as their father who is the father of us all. Romans 4.16 Galatians 3 verse 7 Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. This is Paul talking about Christians in the New Testament. We can say with Paul, we should be saying with Paul, and I've only given a few in the New Testament, we should be speaking about our fathers. As my Hebrew and Old Testament professor, Dr. C.J. Williams, has often said, when we read the Old Testament, we're reading our family history. Abraham, again, we praise the Lord that you have professed your faith, you've taken your vows to God and oath to the church and membership, That is communicant membership, now taking the Lord's Supper. You have been given the wonderful context of the covenant in which to proclaim your father's God is your God. And you've done so. You have professed your faith and taken the Lord's Supper. You've effectively been saying, my father's God is my God. May you have many children. And may you raise them after the faith of your father and your spiritual fathers and father Jacob and father Isaac and father Abraham. And all you children of the church, all you children of the covenant, all your life with all your sons and daughters in the church, proclaim the God of your fathers as your covenant God. And that is the message for you from the text this evening. Proclaim the God of your father as your covenant God. Whether it's like Jacob saying, God is getting me through all these difficulties, or it's on the other side of the Red Sea with your children saying, look what God has brought us through. You say he's become my God. He's the God of my salvation. I will praise him, my father's God. Proclaim the God of your father as your covenant God. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God in heaven, we do thank you that you are our God and the God of our children. As Peter said in the Pentecost sermon, he is our God and the promise is also to our children. This has always been the case, that you are the God of our covenant children. 
And it should always be the case that our children are taught to understand themselves in the covenant, having a history and a heritage unbroken because of your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that you would help us all, including our children, especially in times of wavering, to think back to our Father and his God. And if we can't start there, as we know from Romans and Galatians, we can think about Abraham, our father of the faith. We think about all those who have gone before us in the faith and passed it on to us. And may you help us give a legacy to our children and our children's children. And may that legacy be you as their God and them proclaiming you as their God and their children. Through Christ our Lord, for Christ's crown and covenant we pray. And all your people, young and old, said, Amen.